motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. So, our uh, third segment, Cal. We're in the home stretch now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, again, we just wanted to sort of finish the. I didn't want to keep coming back and forth, so I figured the best thing to do would be to move on to the most memorable taken matches rather than um, talking about just just the streak. Uh, and that's so we can sort of finish the the, the, the taker train and then uh, sort of change up the segments completely. Then after that, so um, this segment's going to be um, again in our usual top ten style. Carl's going to give his five. Uh, memorable taker matches and I'll give my five and then um, we'll just talk a bit on, on our thoughts and then obviously if you guys are inspired and want to check them out then uh, then we've done our job so Carl do you, want to, do you want to kick us off with your five yeah man um, so I think the key word here is most is most memorable <laughs> not necessarily the the greatest in terms of technical <laughs> or you know match quality but certainly for me when um, thinking about some kind of standout moments uh matches in, in taker's career um these, these are the five that kind of instantly kind of sprung to my mind so one which is probably synonymous with taker throughout the years and you know it still gets replayed to this day is that King of the ring match against mankind um you know it wasn't the first hell in a cell match but fucking hell this was the hell in a cell match <laughs> oh yeah it was, I mean, you know, I've I've said I've spoken about this match before, like plenty of times. We we spoke about spoke about it on um, when we were talking around our, our the greatest wrestlers of all time, and we were really kind of getting behind Mick Foley. But oh yeah, what a what a fantastic job he did here! Like this, he, this isn't a case of Foley made Taker because Taker was well a made man by this point, but fucking Ellie made him look like more of a badass than he'd ever looked in his entire life. So oh yeah, the punishment Foley's willing to give himself is insane. But like you say, it, 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 yeah, it, it doesn't half make him look like a badass. An already badass man looks even more like a badass when Foley's around because the, the punishment he gave himself, and fair credit to him, you know, he does everything to, 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 well, for the audience, really, to put that match over. Well, that's it. And I think, you know, Taker became fucking a megastar in this match. He was already such a fucking star, but this was kind of like, the, holy shit, the, he's just killed him like he has thrown him off the top of this cell he's chokeslammed him through this fucking thing <laughs> like it it was just insane and you know if, you, if you're looking back over every kind of memorable match that take has been in over the years you can't not kind of think about this one just for the the, the craziness of it at the time it was just mental oh yeah definitely <laughs> but that was my that was that was the first one um, the next one um, is Wrestlemania 14 um, so it was Taker versus Kane so this the reason this kind of springs to mind is all around the build towards this match. So, you know, at this time, Paul Bearer was a heel, so he was no longer um, Undertaker's manager. Um, but he started showing up on the Titantron with these, like, little vignettes saying that Undertaker's brother is coming. And, you know, at the time, we had no idea what this was. We'd never been introduced to Kane, and it was kind of unfathomable that anyone, you know, the size or presence of the Undertaker would, would exist. Um, so we were like, who the fuck's his brother? And then... I think this was the first Hell in a Cell match. Um, it was a, you know, a couple of months before Mania. Um, that's when we got finally got introduced to Kane, and he kind of comes down and tears off the the Hell in a Cell door um, and kind of tombstones Undertaker, costing him the match. So this was kind of the big lead up to that WrestleMania 14 match, and this was the first time when Undertaker and Kane were going to kind of lay hands on each other. And all the way through this, Undertaker had been saying like, "I'm, you know, I'm not going to beat up family," and you know, you know. 
bear in mind, he'd fucking, you know, the story apparently went that he tried to set his brother on fire, but, you know, beating him up, beating him up is, is, is fucking stretched too far. Um, I mean, to be fair, like, <laughs> he didn't lay hands on him when he set him on fire. <laughs> That's, oh, okay, okay. That's it. Um, so yeah, this was just kind of such a spectacle at the time because you were you were kind of looking at like this guy who was you know taller than the Undertaker and fucking built like a brick shit house in Kane, and it was just this. I don't know. We just had this presence about him that was um, everything that you you knew and loved about Undertaker, but even even scarier almost with this fucking crazy oh, yeah. mask and you know. This is like, the thing, what, I, and anyone who's who's younger and new to this, even though from the analytics, our audience seems to be barely our age range. But <laughs> even so, anyone who's, who's a younger listener and they're not familiar with Kane when he debuted, go back and look at WrestleMania 14 because the Kane you know and love today, lovable old Glenn Jacobs, is not the Kane we knew. And he was, he, he had such an air about him and he was an absolute monster. Yeah, he was... Uh... If, if you think of the, for a certain point in time, he was like my favorite uh, wrestler, just of how much of a fucking I don't know. He just he was a star, you know. It was this someone you'd never seen before? But in in this match, like Taker got his ass beat, um, and he sold it like a fucking champ. You know, we, we we've been saying about Brock and you know how he will sell for someone and stuff like that. Like Taker made Kane in this match because he you know he got worked over massively. Kane looked, looked like a fucking monster and. Undertaker won it, obviously, because it happened at WrestleMania. <laughs> um, but, you know, it took three tombstones to do it. And and this is at a time when, you know, people weren't spamming finishes and stuff like that. Literally, one tombstone, you were done. So for it to take three tombstones to defeat Kane was like fucking hell. Even though he lost, it didn't hurt him. And then um, after the match, he, he managed to do a beat down to Taker anyway. So, um, yeah, just that match, just seeing them two square off for the first time was really memorable to me kind of growing up. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, again, sadly, this is I've, this is one I've had to go back and look at because um, this was slightly before I got really into, um, like Kane was already a mainstay by the time I got into it. But um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great one to watch. I mean, to be honest, anything around Kane debuting, um, you can you can YouTube most of it and it's just fantastic to see and uh, it was booked so well. Yeah. Um, and then the next one, throwing it back even further. So this is SummerSlam 94. Um, and another one that I remember fondly, um, especially for the, the build-up to it. So at the time, Undertaker lost, a, um, ended up losing a casket match. Um, and he got kind of rolled into this casket by a couple of the other kind of wrestlers. And as he was being wheeled off, um, it came up on the Titantron, you can see into the casket. And he was like, I will not rest in peace. And like looking back on it now, I was hokey as fuck. Like it was so bad. And he like um this kind of really shitty computer graphic kind of <laughs> came on the screen and he like levitated off the you know, it was really, really bad. But at the time we were like, Okay, what the fuck? Where where's he gone? And he disappeared for a bit. Then they started doing like these various like vignettes kind of 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 these Undertaker sightings, like people had seen him and oh, that's the Undertaker. That, that, that. And like um, Ted DiBiase ended up coming out saying that he's also seen the Undertaker and he's going to bring him back. Um, and that's when this, you know, he ended up bringing the Undertaker back. And it was, um, let's just say he looked slightly different. But to my very young self, so when's this 94? So what was I, six at the time watching this? I didn't know any difference. I was I, I was just like, oh, wow, yeah, Undertaker's back. I wonder why he's back with uh, Ted DiBiase. Didn't think much else of it. It was only then when it was like um, Paul Bearer came back and tried to kind of regain control of him with the urn. Um, and DiBiase was like, uh, he, he had money. And basically the Undertaker was more convinced by money. And that's when it was like, okay, this this, this seems off. 
and it kind of all kind of built up to a point where um, this this other undertaker was about to beat up Paul Bearer, and then that's when the other undertaker made an appearance, and then it was like, who's the real one? Is it Ted DiBiase's undertaker or is it Paul Bearer's undertaker? So they had this match and kind of squared off, and I just remember at the time, like I'd never seen anything like it. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it since, where it was. You know, it's like something straight out of a video game. It's Undertaker versus Undertaker. It was like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Slightly different attire, so you can tell the difference. <laughs> well, well, funnily enough, that's what happened um, because the new, the new Undertaker. Oh, sorry, the original Undertaker came back with purple gloves and purple um, boots as opposed to the grey that he used to wear. So me, as a six-year-old kid, is like, oh, that can't be him because he wears purple. You know, he's just like yeah, you, yeah. You, don't, you don't really realize it. It was only once, it was only once they actually finally got in the ring and stood face to face with each other, and the original Undertaker was about four inches fucking taller than this other guy. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, now that is it. Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the match itself wasn't a classic by by any means, um, but it was so memorable for just the kind of you know facing off against himself and who's the real one and stuff like that. It's just one that will always kind of stand out. Um, yeah. It certainly takes the box for memorable. Um, yeah. I think it's a shame, really, that um, it was very much a product of its time. So I don't want to be unfair to it, but like you look at it now, like you say, it's like hokey and uh, feels a bit daft and the graphics are bad and, and mm. so on. But really, it, was, it, it wasn't bad in it at its time. Do you know what I mean? It was, exactly, yeah. it, It's bad now in retrospect. Now everything's a little less cheesy. You know, well, that's even, it. the attitude there starts to look a bit that way as well. So, um, you know, no discredit to it. They, they've done some ridiculous things in the past, but I don't think this really qualifies as uh, so bad. It's good either. It was probably quite good at the time, but it's just dated well, that's now. It. They've, yeah. done, they've done other things, like they did fake diesel, which obviously didn't work, and fake razor. And then they and even then tried to repeat this. Who was fake diesel, Carl? <laughs> oh, <laughs> interestingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so like they, they even did that that thing not too long ago where it was, um, you know, when Baldy Kane got um, saw the old Kane basically and it, he was getting chased down. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it was that, that's uh, a slightly Luke, shorter, out of shape version of me. Uh. But it was fucking, um, it was uh, Luke Gallows, wasn't it, with the fucking wig on? I was gonna <laughs> say Festus, I was like, it was yeah, Festus, well, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, it's it has been done again since, but really poorly. So in in retrospect, you know, com- compared to it, it's not a wasn't that bad. Nah, um, no. So yeah, as a as a six year old, that that was my mind blown. That seeing them two fight, five, De- definitely memorable. That one is. Um, and then memorable for all the right reasons in terms of match quality is uh, Taker versus Michaels one. So um, there's a lot of back and forth over which is the better one which is whether it's Taker Michaels 1 or Taker Michaels 2. For me, um, I've always kind of felt 1, um, been a little bit more fond of 1, just because of the story aspect of it. So it was kind of like the heaven versus hell. You had Sean kind of descending from the heavens and Undertaker rising from the hells. And the first time they kind of squared off properly at WrestleMania. And I don't know, I just felt like there was more times in this one where you kind of felt like, oh shit, oh shit, the, the streak could be over here. And I just felt like the, the whole kind of storytelling aspect to it was great. It was probably, in my opinion, Taker's best ever match really um, um, I, it, yeah I couldn't disagree with you it was a fantastic match and certainly one I've cited a couple of times I think we both cited a couple of times this probably would have been a good place to end the streak yeah um, so that's how good a match it was so I, I couldn't totally, I couldn't disagree at all it's, it's probably one of his best definitely which is mad um, really because when you consider the year it was kind of both of them coming out of their prime 
but it was yeah. still a fantastic match. Fair play to them. Yeah, like, yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> to be fair. But, yeah, good job. Um, and then the final one on my list is even further back. This is SummerSlam 91. So this is me as, like, a three-year-old. So I probably um, had the VHS of it as well. I was probably watching it when I was, like, four or five. Um, but this was... This always kind of stood out because at the time, you know, Hulk Hogan just didn't lose. And um, this was Taker's first title win. So it was just fucking huge at the time. So Taker had only been in the WWF for about a year at this point. At this point, I think it was like literally like a year to the day almost. Um, and he'd come in and he was having his first kind of um, championship match. And it was just one of them. It, it was bizarre because Hogan, Hogan never lost. and in fairness, you had, you know, Ric Flair get involved and he slipped a steel chair into it, which uh, take a tombstone demand and stuff like that. You know, yeah. let's be fair, Hogan could never fucking in his life lose a match fair and square. <laughs> just no. just not what he did. Um, no. But always had to be some reason why Hulk, why Hulk Hogan could lose. Um, but I just remember this is like this monumental thing. There was like a, a big build up to it as well, where like, um, I, don't, I don't know what they were, what, like, Looking back on it now, I think Undertaker, um, in I think uh, he used to have like his own show with Paul Bearer. It was like the funeral parlor, and Hogan was on it at one point, and um, Undertaker like ripped his necklace off, like his Jesus necklace off, and then all of a sudden he was like he didn't have any powers or something. I don't know, you know, <laughs> hokey times. But um, hokey but, times, <laughs> Hulk uh, Hulk hokey, if if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd, I'd, I don't know for for its time and for the the fact that it was a uh, Taker's first title win and the fact that it was. Hogan that he beat for it, whether there was a bit of a schmoz involved or not. Um, you know, I just thought it was crazy to see the massive push that Taker had had in, in, in the space of a year to finally win the belt, um, you know, with interference or not. And yeah, just mad that it, it was under, it was uh, Hogan that, that he was able to beat for it. It's definitely one that kind of stands out. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime Hogan loses, surely that's memorable. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, especially around that time. Fucking hell. Awesome. Well, thank you for your five there, Cal. Um, I'm afraid my analysis is going to be a little less in-depth than yours. <laughs> but I'll have something to say. <laughs> um, no, I think you've picked some absolutely stellar matches there. Um, certainly ones, obviously, I, I can't really talk on because they're out of my era. But even the ones that were in my era, I think, you know, they're, they're certainly picks I would have made if I could have, Carl. <laughs> yeah. revenge, <laughs> revenge for the WrestleMania moments one. But um, but the five I want to mention and one honourable mention because it occurred to me while we were sat here talking that it's not on the list and why is it not? Um, so the first one is slightly out of my era, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's um, it's memorable and it was as I was coming into wrestling, so I do sort of remember it. But you might actually have a bit more to say. <laughs> and this was Taker versus Kane yet again. Um, uh, Unforgiven 1998, Carl. Do you remember Unforgiven 1998? Um, not fondly. Okay, not many people do. Um, <laughs> now, the reason this one I've put in the memorable list, whilst it's not like big in my mind because I was new to the product, this was the first Inferno match. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember it. So this is um, memorable in the sense of the finish resulted in Undertaker setting Kane's arm on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mention it as a, this is my introduction to the ridiculousness that was WWE or WWF at the time. Um, and obviously it's just one of those matches that are really hard to sort of put together. You don't see them very often, if at all. I, I mean, do you remember the last time we had any sort of match like that? Even a Buried Alive match or whatever. Do you remember the last time we had anything like that? Um, and obviously it, Taker versus Kane has always been a, a fantastic thing to see. 
Um, whilst I was never around for his debut in that initial feud, um, two of the matches I mentioned in my five are Taker Kane uh, because it's always great when they fight. It's always great when they feud. Uh, but this was, um, I think this might have been the second time they were going for each other. Um, after his initial debut, this was the second sort of bout or second um, feud, as it were. Um, but again, just a, a, something that sticks in my mind as one of the one of the first sort of crazy, insane matches I remember seeing. Um, I don't even I imagine it qualifies as Attitude Era because it's ninety eight. But um, but it was as I was starting on wrestling. Um, do you remember the match much? Or I know you don't particularly remember Unforgiven, but do you remember the the Inferno match? Um, yeah, I mean it 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 definitely definitely sticks out. Um... I'd, it sticks out just for the spectacle of it. Obviously, the fucking whole ring was on fire, so it wasn't really exactly. a, you know, there wasn't much that they could actually do because they weren't going to be fucking throwing each other through it and stuff like that. But um, I definitely remember, as you said, that like the ending of it where, you know, he was actually getting set on fire again. I remember at the time thinking, oh no, he's going to be even more disfigured, kind of thing. But yeah. um, this is the thing. I think it's it's one of those sort of matches that you can only really have for Kane and Undertaker. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for a lot of other people. But given no. the story around Kane and Undertaker and, and obviously the house fire when they were young and stuff like that, it just made sense. And it's one of them spectacles that you... I don't even think WWE would try and put anything like that on now. Or they try and do it with lasers instead of fire or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that's the first one I wanted to mention. Mine are in no particular order, by the way. I think um, that's, that's pretty much what we do, isn't it? I'm not trying to rate yeah. these in any particular order. Uh, no. Just ones that stick in my mind. Uh, the next one, uh, a little bit unusual because you might not find it a particularly memorable thing, but it's uh, WrestleMania 21, and this was Undertaker versus Randy Orton. Okay. And this is when Randy Orton was still Legend fairly... Killer. Um, actually, I think it was slightly before Legend Killer. I think this is what spanned into Legend Killer, but, uh, which is weird because he never killed him. But this is still, <laughs> this is still basically Randy sort of younger, not Randy veteran, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this is just the probably the first time I legitimately thought this could be the end of the streak because it just made sense. It mm. would have been a good boost for Randy at that point. Um and it it was a it was a, a, a very good match between the two of them. I mean to be fair, again, WrestleMania twenty one, Taker's getting past his tenure. You know, he's not as good as he was in the ring. Not at his worst by any means, but he's not as good as he was in the ring. But they both had a fantastic showing in that match and it was probably for a second, I'll admit I was like, "Yeah, this this could be this could be a win for Randy." Um, and again, it might not be something everyone thinks, but this is one of the reasons it's kind of memorable for me because I think this is the first time it, it, it seemed logical that a talent could go over at Mania. Um, do you have any thoughts on it? Um, I think, <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. what I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think um, it's a really good point that you make around. Uh, imagine if it was Orton. And imagine if it was mm-hmm. Orton during the during the the Legend Killer. Uh, That's the times. thing; it would have made a lot of sense for the whole Legend Killer gimmick. Yeah, um, yeah. kind of mad, really, when you think about it. But no, I do think uh, it's one of them. Orton uh, at the time to to have the challenge of going up against Undertaker, like you knew that you'd only get that opportunity if Taker kind of trusted you enough to do it. So it was a massive kind of moment, I think, for Randy to be involved in that. And obviously, he did go on to have a story career, so it was obviously a good choice. Yeah. And um, sadly, we're at a point now where Randy doesn't need the um, the rub from that. But mm. um, at that point, it would have been a fantastic boost for him. Not that he needs it now, but it would have been a fantastic boost for him. Um, but yeah, again, it's one that's stuck in my mind. Um, the next one, probably this is probably, if I was going to give a number one, it would be this. And this is, again, it's a personal one. And that's because up to this point, I only had, I only knew properly 
the American Badass because mm. that's when I came into wrestling, as I've mentioned quite a few times. So I'm talking about Kane versus Undertaker again, but this is WrestleMania 20, and this is the Buried Alive match. No, it's not. This is after the Buried Alive match. This is yeah. when the dead man returned. So before this, we'd had um, Kane and Undertaker have a Buried Alive match. Um, it, it was a couple of months before. I can't remember what pay-per-view, sadly. But um, Kane ultimately won. I think it was through shenanigans, but nevertheless, uh, buried Undertaker. And then for weeks after that, he was being sort of haunted. Um, and I remember the build-up. You know, I remember Kane sort of losing his shit. So like, no, I, I, I finished him, you know, blah, blah. Um, and then we get to this sort of massive build-up and this massive pop at um, WrestleMania 20 when that, that sort of gong hits and it's the original sort of... I, I say original, I don't remember the original Undertaker music, but that creepy, you know, um, funeral march kind of music um, and obviously Undertaker coming out in his original garb with his hat and, and all that. Um, and again, it's it's a return to the dead man. Probably not the, the Undertaker you remember from your youth because he didn't have the, the great gloves or boots and the music was probably a bit different. It's higher production value, but returning back to that whole dead man gimmick and um, the whole thing was just brilliant to see. And um, to be fair to Kane or Glenn Jacobs, it, he really sold the fear and for for a massive monster of a man to be genuinely fear or look genuinely fearful as um, Undertaker approaches the ring just really sold the whole thing um, and it, yeah probably the, this was the first time really that I saw the dead man come back or come into it and um, yeah it was just always sticks in my mind just as a proper memorable match and a memorable moment as it were do you know what I, I, I kind of forgot all about this um, j- just you saying that then it's just like brought a load of memories kind of flooding back to me about it I do remember him like losing all the shit and all the little um, vignettes and stuff that they, they were putting on the, on the Titantron and I think they had like a casket or something that was in the ring and then there was a, the, the urn inside it and he was just going fucking mental one he was literally getting haunted by it yeah. um, and then for for that return and stuff to happen like obviously it was it was it was boss for me to see like the return of the undertaker it wasn't like um classic taker and it wasn't like ministry taker it was like almost like an in-between of like the old school ministry taker and like the dead man a little bit like he wasn't you know as full taker garb as he was he was just like vest and leather pants at that point and i think he came back with like his it was long. It was longer hair, but it wasn't fully grown out, was it? I think it was like a yeah, AJ it's... Styles mom hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, he was going through his, his his phase there, wasn't it? Because he obviously the American badass version of the Undertaker had that that slick back hair, so it wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't anywhere near where it needed to be. So I think um, yeah, it was definitely still mid. I think probably maybe slightly past shoulders, maybe slightly longer than AJ. But you're quite right. But um, yeah, no, it was fantastic to see. I always class it as like. Um, like his original gimmick in high definition because it was just everything was kind of like better production value, better quality, but that a return to that original um debut and undertaker sort of thing. But like um it. but yeah for me and for my experience with wrestling, that was uh, that's always one that that's probably been my number one in terms of memorable matches. Hmm. My next one's a little bit of a cheat, however, because it's a match, but <laughs> not in not in not in the traditional sense because it was the Royal Rumble. And I think it needs a mention because um, people always mention the, the winning streak for Undertaker. They never mentioned the losing streak, Carl. And that was the <laughs> fact that he'd never won a Royal Rumble okay. until 2007. That's quite mad, uh, when you think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, this was memorable because you don't you got kind of get complacent. It's nowhere near as good as the, the, the WrestleMania streak. No one remembers it quite the same because it's a losing streak. But um, considering how long he's been in the business and how many Royal Rumbles he'd seen at that point, 2007 
was um, the first one he won, and he entered at number 30. Um, so it's not like he was in the match the whole time. It wasn't like Roman Reigns rocking up in first place and getting all the way to the end. But nevertheless, he, he comes in as a as an entrance number 30 and then finishes it, wins it. I think it was, um, ironically, it was actually Shawn Michaels he eliminated as well. So mm. when you consider, obviously, the, the sort of WrestleMania battles, it's, it's quite poetic that it was Shawn, but um, he misses a super kick and gets gets eliminated. So, um, yeah, it, it's just memorable for the fact that that was the, I think, the the only time Tego won as well. I don't know if he, um, just purely because of the fact he doesn't really enter Royal Rumbles now, I suppose. But I think that's the only time he's ever won. Yeah. Do you, me- do you remember this entry? Do you remember him turning up at number 30? Um, I, I actually don't, which is which is uh, interesting. Mean, I mean, obviously, I remember... Yeah, the seven, so this is probably at the, the, probably the least watched time. Uh, yeah. If, if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably the, the time you're watching it, it's the, the least, really, I would imagine. Yeah, I think I, was it did he fight Batista? Was it at Mania? I can't remember. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it went on to Batista. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I I do remember it vaguely, but yeah, not um not yeah not like it's vividly. difficult because at this time this is when um because you and you and I have always sort of got back into it around Royal Rumble, even when we weren't following wrestling very much it was always Royal Rumble you get back into it and then you move into to WrestleMania on the road to WrestleMania but we probably weren't watching it weekly at that point especially so it's hard to um, to sort of yeah. remember the build up or, or whichever but um, nevertheless that, that Rumble in particular is the, the only one he won and a surprise surprise entry and uh, I think memorable just in its own right for that really um, mm. and then before I go on to my final no I'll do my final one because it's a bit rubbish <laughs> basically because <laughs> Because I wanted um, Taker v Michaels one, uh, okay, <laughs> um, and understandably you beat me to it, and I'm a big enough man to admit that. Um, <coughs> so I thought I'm going to cheat and go for Taker v Michaels two at WrestleMania 26, yeah. um, and I'm not just doing that as a cop out because I enjoyed the Taker v Michaels match. It's because despite the fact we'd already seen it, um, they built it up really well. I don't remember the build-up, but this was like Undertaker was playing the whole sort of well, you, you tried and failed, so what's the point kind of thing, and, and Michael's just trying his best to sort of goad him back into it. And mm-hmm. I think it was like, at a point, he was like, I'm not just going to um, beat you, I'm going to take your soul, or whatever, you know, that kind of crap. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, it, it was sort of hyped up, and it got you right back into it, and you remember how fantastically the year before was, and yet again, you put on another stellar match. And well, yeah, this if one... I'm being, go on, sorry. I was going to say, did this one have the added stipulation of Sean's career or something? This one, this yeah, this is how he goaded um, Undertaker into it. Is that mm-hmm. he um, he put up the streak versus the career? Yeah. Um, this was actually Michaels retiring, even though obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this had the adage of as well. This actually built up Undertaker's WrestleMania 27 match, which was against Triple H, and that was yeah. because of the whole Michaels thing. So it, it had the adage of of building into his next victory, um, because Triple H was doing it for Sean sort of thing or trying to do what Sean never called or whatever where he put it across mm-hmm. but essentially he, he's obviously Sean's his brother as it were um, but yeah it, again it was another fantastic match if I'm being completely honest the first time was was the best time but that being said I think this one still deserves a mention because it was still a fantastic match yeah definitely I think, I think for me they were both incredible matches I feel like the story and the fact that it was the first one um, made the first one better but the second one had more at stake because obviously Sean's career and stuff like that, so you kind of at the same time you didn't you didn't necessarily think that Sean was going to retire after that match, so you did kind of think, well, shit, is he actually going to get the streak this time? So I think that one felt a bit more like I don't know, there was more on the line, there was more you know chance that um, Taker would lose it. 
I think almost. it felt because you didn't feel like Sean was going to retire, so I think that probably helped sell that like yeah. this streak's going to end. Um, and then obviously that we had the retirement, which didn't stick. Sean's been back since, and the same same way Rick Flair did it. They always come back, and uh, it's never never worth saying that you're not going. Um, yeah, and that the that was that was my five. I do want to mention one because it occurred to me whilst we were talking. Um, so I couldn't tell you the exact pay-per-view this happened at, but one that I think I'm surprised neither of us mentioned because it's memorable, but not necessarily in a good way. And that was Undertaker versus the Big Boss Man. Oh, shit, yeah, the Hell in yeah. a Cell. Yeah, the Hell in a Cell. I, purely for the controversy around the, the imagery of him of him hanging him in the middle of the ring, for those who haven't seen it, <laughs> hung mm-hmm. by his neck in the middle of the Hell in a Cell. Um, and it's memorable for that reason, really. Um, this is actually slightly before my era again, but something that you, you you always see at some point if you're a wrestling fan. Um, and yeah, I'm surprised neither was mentioned it in the five, just for memorable, just for the fact of how insane that was and uh, and how shocking that imagery was and how controversial in some senses that was. Yeah, it's a very good point, that, to be fair. Fucking hell. Mad. So uh, unless you've got any, any other mentions, Carl, I, I think that's our segment. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, if I was going to give one other honourable mention, it'd be to either one of the Triple H matches at WrestleMania because I think that they are both um, kind of underlooked. And I, I say one of the two matches, I'm excluding the last one that they had. So I'm talking around the one directly after Sean or the one from WrestleMania 17 when Taker was still the American badass. I think that one was probably the better one. Um, I think that's probably when, I mean, Triple H, I don't know when Triple H's prime is going to end because I still think he can go in the fucking <laughs> ring, to be honest with you. But I think that's certainly when Undertaker was more in his prime, uh, yeah. WrestleMania 17. So I think it, it probably deserves to be because it was a better match in a, yeah. in a technical and sense. I think, you know, he even got twatted in the head with the sledgehammer and still didn't end up losing the streak. So, yeah. you know, fair play. Oh, is that uh, the one but, he hit him with the sledgehammer and then ultimately uh, Undertaker got the last ride? Yeah. And that's how he won it. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a, it's a fair honourable mention, that would. I've, I've always thought them two have had quite good chemistry, Triple H and uh, Taker, so... Um, yeah. Definitely have a lot of respect for each other as well, don't they, to be fair. Mm. Right, yeah. so that is, uh, that's segment three, and that is uh, Ace of the K's Wrestle Talk for another week. It's another show in the can. Another show in the can. So, um, obviously, we're going to find these um, getting uploaded to our podcast, which you can find on... Apple, Google, and um, what's the other one? Spotify. Spotify. Um, you can find us on social media uh, regularly, all the time. Uh, we are TikTok famous now, thanks to uh, <laughs> thanks to Carl, who just has uh, a knack for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, you, you've uh, some of the stuff you put up is fantastic, Carl. I do want to plug that a little bit. Um, your latest one with um, people you can find on TikTok, I think, is very useful for people as well. So if you're curious. Which wrestlers are on TikTok? Carl's put a couple of uh, couple of bits on on our TikTok that you'll have to visit first and like and share. Obviously, um, we are and fun can... and educational. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, similarly, we uh, we're trying to break into the YouTube area now as well, guys. So um, these will be uploaded onto YouTube as separate segments. Um, so any sort of likes, shares, and subscribes on there would be useful as well. Um, any others I'm forgetting to mention, Carl? Um, don't think so. Anywhere, anywhere you want to look, you'll find us. Yeah, we, we've we've gone to great efforts to put ourselves in. So That's it. Anyway, you want to look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So that being said, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>